Welcome to Crypto Nights, where we help you finally make sense of the trending world of cryptocurrencies. So gather your virtual piggy bank and let's get started. Hey, welcome to this next episode of Crypto Nights. We have the best minds bridge, the Crypto Divide. I'm your host, Kant Miriala. Here is my usual disclaimer. These audios and podcasts are for educational purposes only and not a solicitation nor an endorsement for investment. You do so, my friend, at your sole discretion. We strongly recommend you do your due diligence. We are not your financial advisors. Tokens are supremely risky. You could lose all of your invested money. Today, it's my pleasure and honor to introduce Vijay Krishna Ramanathan, co-founder at CodeMojo and Alloy, blockchain-powered Global Rewards Network. <laughs> He's based out of Chennai, India. 10 years, guys, on the front end building businesses, solution selling. He's currently leading CodeMojo as a co-founder and a CEO. CodeMojo launched the world's first machine learning powered rewards network and currently the first Indian company to adopt blockchain to upgrade its existing rewards network to a global catalog. And they are about to go the ICO route, the pre-ICO itself or the pre-token sale is scheduled for October 15, coming up in just a few days. And this is exciting, guys. This is totally exciting that they're launching a blockchain-powered global rewards network. The name of the token is Alloy. And they're trying to mobilize a $360 billion marketplace right there. So it's going to be awesome. We are very, very excited. And uh, without further ado, I want to introduce to you, Vijay Krishna, Ramanathan. I want you to give uh, in your own words, you know, like the marketing presentation you're doing in Pondicherry. What, what do you do in general? And uh, and then we'll get into a few things that Mohit and I wanted to ask you around your venture. And then sure. uh, we'll get into it. Uh, great. Uh, wonderful. So uh, a quick recap on what we have been doing. So we are, we are there, we have been in the business in 2015 and I uh, scored Mojo. And prior to that, I had eight years of you know consulting experience outside uh, with different corporates, with NIIT, Eberron, uh, Nissan Automobiles, Maxter.com, which is again a largest startup. So basically strategic alliances and consulting selling was what I was doing. So fundamentally, I'm a sales guy. So that's my logic. And uh, Code Mojo was started as a vision that to handle or to solve the customer engagement problems, you know, with the, with a universal solution. So it was joint venture between me and my, uh, you know, college buddy. So he's, he's Shoaib. So we know we both know each other for 13 years. Uh, Shoaib handles the tech and I handle the sales. So that that's why, uh, that's how uh, you know we we balance each other. The founders balance each other uh, in terms of the idea and the execution part. And uh, so Shoaib also has uh, seven plus years of experience. Uh, he has been uh, with an US company and in India, and uh, he has been in middleware, and he has also de developed and uh, different apps in App Store and launched with millions of downloads. That's a small background about him. Uh, so we started this with a vision in 2015 uh, for offline businesses, basically. So for mom and pop store, restaurants nearby you, for grocery stores nearby you, saying that, you know, while larger companies can afford to run their own loyalty or CRM solution, why not uh, smaller companies can do that at, at a very affordable cost? You know, they don't need to have technical skills or marketing skills, but a simple, you know, a dashboard or, a, or an app should be able to do that. So we started off with that vision in 2015 and 
though the market is pretty huge you know in india the offline the unorganized retail is quite large but the timing was too early i would say because we are dealing with a, a population who is uh, underemployed and overworked and especially the restaurants and other places right so uh, by the later end of 2015 when we got into paypal <coughs> we saw an opportunity to move it into online so where we made the same components referral loyalty gamification uh, you know for online mobile apps and websites so we uh, gave a saas based model plug and play system so anybody who has an app or website can integrate us in 10 lines in 10 minutes and that's it so they will have their own referral loyalty gamification systems in place which can be configured on the fly so that gave us a, a lot of boost uh, the the change in the pivot the first pivot that we took and uh, yeah so it has been good and then we got funded we got into uh, paypal incubator followed by genex jump and reliance uh, microsoft uh, accelerator partner incubator as well accelerator as well and uh, we got funded uh, from the cio angel network last year close to same time in september uh, sanjay mehta one of the marquee uh, angel investors has led the round and uh, we have a lot of cios on board uh, who really like the idea and what we are doing and say hey you know why don't we invest and support you so that's pretty much uh to quickly conclude uh, so while we are doing it we also found an opportunity that while brands and consumers are two uh, ends for an engagement uh, solution app publishers like you know content websites productivity apps didn't have a proper mechanism to reward their users so we introduced the uh, world first ml based uh, machine learning based uh, uh, rewards network uh, towards the end of uh, november last year so typically what it does is that once you integrate inside your app let's say you have an app fitness app or a quiz app or any or a recipe app so moment a user completes a milestone it will throw up certain rewards and it will tailor make it and customize the rewards based on the user preference and that book went on really well uh, currently we are catering around 6 million users every month uh, across 2000 plus publishers and uh, close to 118 plus brands are working with us on that and yeah here we are so finally taking it global using blockchain and uh, introducing our own currency 2000 publishers how many brands did you say 100 plus brands yeah uh, 118 brands uh, to be precise and we six, work 6 yeah. million uh, 6 million users yeah engaged users uh, who are part of the rewards network every month okay and uh, are you able to see any results before and after yeah uh, it is uh, so interestingly um, uh, our publishers have use cases are very different uh, for example few of the publishers are using it to reduce the bounce rate on the websites so if you're going to a website and trying to close it and they say you know just just sign up here and we got something for you special so they able to convert bounces into leads we have got some good feedback that we are able to increase up to 35 to 45% uh, you know reduction in the uh, you know bounce rate after using us uh user generated content has increased uh by 20% around 20% uh, there has been good feedback so the the publisher network is growing and uh, the uh, we have a, a growth of month on month growth of 70% on the overall rewards network since the day of launch that we had 70% month on month growth absolutely because it's not uh, whenever we sign up a publisher uh, it's very simple uh, dr kant uh, have you uh, Uh, i'm sure you'd be uh, you know uh, checking out some online news uh, apps or websites right from while you're there yes 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 right so 
the only way that uh, they make money is by showing you advertisements right yeah and uh, the the, the never ending challenges is that you know they want the user to continue to the third page or the fourth page or do some activity right yes and basically they want you to consume more content and the, the more content you consume uh, the more money they make obviously that's how the whole system works yeah so today there is no way to incentivize you because they don't even ask you to sign up so there is no way to track you hold you retain you incentivize you am i right yeah yeah so the system was designed in such a way that you know uh, dr kan that if you are going to be actively participating in the ecosystem let's say by reviewing it commenting it consume x number of content you would be rewarded with your you know a brand uh, reward of your choice so being uh, the publisher the stickiness between you and the publisher and uh, you are happy publisher is happy and the brand is also happy so that's the way that the rewards network works i see i see so for example i'm using a fitness app and i'm very sticky with the same fitness app i'm using it all the time i'm consuming their content i'm also contributing some content presumably and uh, and then i i like nike shoes as a brand so yeah. you're going to give me a choice of uh, where i get my reward from from which band and uh, my preferred brand something like that absolutely so let's say the in your fitness app the milestone is for you to complete a 3 kilometer run let's say over a period of a month uh, what the system does smartly is that whenever you open the rewards right it's like a carrot and a stick so whenever you open that uh, the reward i know it starts learning your pattern how much time you spend on which kind of rewards that you like which kind of rewards excite you what makes you keep coming back so if we figure out the system figures out that you are more prone to see that nike or the puma reward right and uh, so when you complete that milestone you will get a reward from puma i see i see i see so it is tailored rather than dumping everything in front of you it is completely tailor made so that if you don't like an uh, uh, you know let's say a different brand so why why should we show it so it only shows five rewards curated to you and each and every time it changes and gets smarter and smarter as we progress and that's based on various parameters mainly engagement how many times i see it how much time i spend on it you know some common sense uh, type of uh, uh, you know uh, how does it uh, figure out what to look at so uh, one obviously is within the app you know uh, what what are you looking at because on an average a user the user who likes a particular brand spends close to uh, 17 to 23 seconds to check out the details of that offer or the reward so obviously one one is uh, the time that you spend on the particular reward uh, the location the time you're opening what kind of app you're using what are other people preferred uh, who has been part of that app and or or who has been choosing that similar kind of having the similar kind of pattern so it does a pattern match and uh, it narrows down to uh, you know the set of five rewards uh, that you might like and the moment you start grabbing it you start i mean you start taking that particular reward we start tagging you uh, to a particular category so that's how it works uh, dr kant i see i see very good exciting so this is something unique i know Mo- mohit and i have been coming at it from two different viewpoints or complementary i have been interested in making this more this knowledge more democratized this whole cryptocurrency crypto assets token sales icos so i'm looking at it from one angle but at the same time so i want there is a lot of jargon there is a lot of complexity <laughs> people tend to 
speak uh, using jargon, uh, you know, decentralized immutability, blockchain. And by the time they talk for uh, two or three minutes, they have used uh, 30, 40 jargon keywords that completely throw off a newcomer. So my goal is to have a, you know, these podcasting episodes in simple English. So common man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of which I was one just two years ago, can actually understand and hope to get in rather quickly. So I don't need to understand what is under the hood in the Ferrari for me to drive the Ferrari. Just give me the keys, fill the gas, get out of my way. I'm fine. So that's my that's my whole approach to this crypto nights. And right. Mohit is coming at it from a slightly different angle. He's doing his God token. He's interested in figuring right. out how to you know allocate money that is raised from people through a token sale into so he's looking at it from an investment perspective hey is, you know is this something code mojo is something that i'm interested in all about the token sale the token design and what is a short term interest uh, people would have what is the long term interest people would have right. so these are and uh, Mohit is running late because of rains in Delhi. So I told him to just drive safe and <laughs> I got all his questions down. So I'm going to be, until he joins us probably a bit later, I'm going to be yeah. kind of blending these two perspectives into the question. So our goal is by the end of this call, we want to understand in simple English. So that's all right. my requirement from Kryptonites, minimizing jargon. Uh and you, funnily, Vijay, you already started answering a lot of my questions because many times I'm with people who have nothing but a white paper. <laughs> okay. Right? And it is mostly, it's just a vision. There is nothing that has been started. They're probably doing a pre-sale based on a vision. They want to raise some money and then use that money to launch a few series of token sales rounds. And, and then after that, they want to put the team together and build the technology Etc. Etc. But here we have a almost like a inverted scenario. You have been a real business, <laughs> underlined real, highlighted, two years, and you run. You have got a lot of experience. You already raised traditional type of financing, and yeah. you have been quite successful, right? And so, of my goal, my questions that I had on, hey, are you? a real business? Do you have any experience? Do you have, have you built any technology are already out of the window because I don't need to ask you those. You already answered them. And are you a disruption? You also answered them. So you're kind of the traditional view of Clayton Christensen has been, Hey, are you targeting non-consumers? So clearly most of the people that are using <laughs> your service are either apps or other businesses that have never had anything like they have been non-consumers of CRM. So you're clearly a disruption you're addressing and you're giving them, they had a not a good enough solution before. Now you're getting, giving them a good enough solution. So even with your few minutes of talking, I could mentally check off a lot of things uh, that I had interestingly. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on Mohit's questions, which is more around short-term, long-term interest in your, so what is your, why are you planning a token sale? What is this token sale around? How are you designing the token wherein there is a limited supply and a constant increase in value, therefore demand? So those are the kinds of questions I have. So I'm going to start with the first one, which is when did you start thinking about a token sale and why? 
uh, yeah. So it, I think it was uh, during July, uh, June, July. So since we are part of uh, PayPal, uh, uh, this this another startup in in PayPal Singapore called Tenex. So Tenex uh, was very successful in their ICO when they raised money. Right, the vision was very awesome. I mean, I really uh, like the vision that they had that you can use your cryptocurrency to buy any uh, walk into any store and buy uh, like how you use a debit card. You can use your crypto card to buy something on on the on the flight. Right, so that got us thinking because we have been uh, the the loyalty problem, right? And the customer engagement, loyalty, rewards. We have been in the business for two two and a half years, uh, even before two years. You know, we were we were contemplating the whole idea. It's not a problem with a particular geography, or with a particular uh, let's say a brand, or let's say a particular consumer segment. It is universal, right? I mean, it's been age-old technique to say. Uh, Okay, you are a customer, you walk into my store, I'm going to give you X percentage as loyalty point back to you. So hoping to get a stickiness. Some people put a lot of brain and, uh, you know, timing uh, into it. Let's say, for example, Shopper Stop has done phenomenally well. Uh, the 25% of the sale comes from the loyalty, uh, you know, segment. Jet Airways has done so well that, you know, they have pivoted to form a separate company just to manage the point system or Jet Privilege, right? Few people are not able to do it, right? And again, if you look look back, it's it's not. It, am I going to do it only in India and solve it? No, it's not going to happen because if you look at a collation program, uh, Air Miles in Canada, uh, Nectar in UK, so these these kind of companies has a penetration of eighty percent in the household. But unfortunately, they are not able to go beyond their geography to another geography. And if you look at the problem in it, it's, it's, it's again the technology, the infrastructure in which these people are developing a solution. That got us thinking and said, if we are going to develop a solution around it, should it be India-centric, APAC-centric, or it should be, uh, you know, particular geographies together? Then it should be global. If you want to take it global, the only best way that we understood was blockchain. Keep it, uh, as you said, not to use too many jargons, but make it simple that anybody who is in India having some reward points should be able to go to us and redeem it like how you use your credit or a debit card a credit card overseas and that's why we said around july we conceptualized the whole idea and we looked back what all we had we had almost all the systems in place uh, referral loyalty uh, apis sdks everything was built up and running so we found that it is feasible for us to do it so first question that we had to ask ourselves is that is this what we want to do? The answer was yes. Is this something that we could do? The answer was again yes, because it was just an upgrade to our existing system, not an overall new uh, version or a new uh, you know avatar of us. It's just an upgrade of our existing network. And uh, obviously, do we have the necessary experience to uh, uh, you know do it? Yes. So when we answered all the questions between ourselves, then the biggest obvious question was designing a solution. And then uh, planning the token sale. So that's how we got into uh, Dr. Kant. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, and uh, why did you not think of, because you had raised the uh, earlier funding, maybe you already answered the question, but let me ask it anyway. You had yep. raised the previous round with traditional funding. First of all, you were in the PayPal ecosystem, in yep. the Microsoft Azure ecosystem. So I think you have already raised money or some kind of support yeah. from yeah. traditional type of uh, investments. So what made you shift? Was it 10X that went through a similar process of 
being a PayPal company in the incubator and then moving out and using the blockchain route. And you saw that, hey, they have done extremely well by following that route of going from traditional to, to the to the non-traditional or uh, blo- blockchain related token investment. Why can't we do the same? So what is it that prompted you to take this new route for fundraising? Okay. So uh, one, uh, the credit, see, uh, Vision is one, right? I mean, uh, the, the traditional way of investment raising, let's say angel VC rounds have, it works very differently. The way it works is that every, uh, you know, let's say we, we raise an angel round. So they have certain milestones that, you know, this company should have X percentage of growth. And uh, with this X percentage of growth, and here you are. So on the process, you were already discussing with few VCs in the country as well, you know, to a few notable VCs. But what we realize is that it's a pure opportunity lying out there. Now, we have been watching closely the space of uh, ICOs and companies coming in. You know, uh, I have uh, closely personally looked at more than 120, 130 odd companies just raised money or trying to raise money, etc. We found the, uh, you know, this portion was not unaddressed, number one. A. And B, the traditional way of investment, as I was mentioning earlier, is going to take some time. It's going to take uh, three months for them to nod their head, another six months for the due diligence to get completed. Uh, you know, it, it's going to come out to nine to ten months. And then you give a portion of, you know, and they should share the same vision that you have, obviously, and the, and the growth map path you have. So that's got us thinking and said, if there's an opportunity out there, and if there are people... It's the same way. I look at it, 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 this to be more tougher than that, to be honest, because there you're convincing four people and here you have to convince 5,000 people to get your money. And we said, if these people are going to build or you know, believe on the vision that we have, why not take it and do it? And why not implement it and, and successfully do it? So that's why we shifted or we, uh, we put a hold on the VC fundraise that we were doing. And uh, we went into this. We said, you know, we have a product, we have a team, we have uh, done it. So let's raise money this way and and execute it with free hands rather than uh, you know in a, in a very uh, delayed manner. So that's why, Dr. Kant. So many many others. I have I've had. Uh, I can immediately think of at least one other startup that came to me and said, okay, we have raised traditional funding. Can we now raise the next round in a token sale ICO? or IT or whatever the name is. So that is, uh, so the question you're about to answer is very important. A lot of people probably would be very, very interested because A, you already had existing investors. Were they okay with it? B, I mean, you, like you said, there are pros and cons. This is in a way more difficult uh, because you have to convince more people. In a way, it's much faster because as a, I have been an entrepreneur for a couple of decades, so I understand this. Uh, in most of the tech startups, we used to spend so much time. There's almost a constant uh, effort as that to also at the CXO level of the startup where the bandwidth right. is critical. There's a constant ongoing effort for next round, next round, next round, next round. And that seems to be such a sad waste of time. And uh, instead, uh, sometimes if you're successful, you're, you're able to raise the money with your ICO for the next five years, put it aside and just focus on building your business. So in that sense, it has its definite benefits and and given the unique way you're going to design your token which i'm going to come to in a few minutes it is utilitarian rather than uh, connected to your uh it's not a security in some sense so you're not in that direct sense diluting your ownership uh, or your ability to move freely and make decisions 
So I think you have kind of balanced both. So there are pros and cons on both sides. <clears throat> but you said you decided to go forward because at the end of the day, the speed trumps the whole thing uh, for entrepreneurship. That's a, that's very critical. So did I summarize it reasonably accurately for you? Perfect, Dr. Kant. I couldn't have put in my own words better. Oh, I, I, thank you. So the question I had there was, what did your existing investors say when you told them, hey, we are planning an ICO next? What, were, they, were they positive, negative, neutral, or did they not understand? Did they have a lot of questions? Uh, so fortunately, uh, uh, so it's, it's a basically a network, right? I mean, few were neutral, few were, uh, because there was no other Indian company has ever raised, I mean, uh, a public ICO earlier before. And it, it has been always like I form a skeleton company in Singapore or I form a skeleton company in UK and do it. There was never an Indian company who officially gone full public, etc. So there was obviously a lot of questions, but fortunately for us, uh, uh, we have uh, Mr. Sanjay Mehta on board, who is our lead investor. So Sanjay uh, has been a cryptocurrency investor and ICO investor himself. He has been one of the tech evangelists and uh, he has invested, he has backed the EOS blockchain team. So he was one of the uh, early backers of EOS, uh, you know, which went ahead to raise successful ICO earlier. So according to Sanjay, it made sense. I mean, he believes that there is an opportunity here. And uh, as long as it, it gets us all uh, to what we envision to do with the company, it's a perfect deal. So obviously, few people didn't know about it. Few people are neutral. Uh, we never give face against the people are against it. Because when people are against such you know, novel ideas, they don't back up startups. So in this case, it was neutral uh, and positive and obviously Sanjay. So yeah, that's how it was. Oh, that is very helpful because what you're saying is it's it helps to find investors that not only have traditional investment but also experience of an ICO in their in their experience. So they, they don't need much convincing. They're already seeing the the pros and cons of both, and they already understand it. And when they look at you going forward and doing an ICO, they're thinking, well, this will, if anything, protect my investment by raising more money on one hand, and it's not going to dilute my holding. So right. it's in in many ways a huge win. But I, I wanted to hear your answer. So, I mean, I, I'm biased, obviously. I'm in the crypto space. But so that's, <laughs> but that makes, I think, so having Sanjay Mehta on your, is he on your board as well? Uh, he's on the lead. I mean, he's not on the board. He's on the lead. So he's one of the lead investors from the past. And having him uh, as an experienced ICO investor helped you a huge amount. So great. So, and so by July, you were convinced. And you're talking about August, September, Right, you're, you're literally talking about 60 days since you decided that you'll do this. Yeah. Uh, so, what can you kind of again lift the hood in the process and tell us what happened in these uh, 60 days, and then we'll go into the uh, in all the exciting stuff about the the dates and all of that, and also the token design stuff. So, I have those three sets of questions uh, in that order, but I want to start off with. Uh, I, I love the backstories, right? What happened in the last 60 days behind the scenes? Because things move so quickly in this ICO space that everybody is so, I have heard this story many, many times by now, but I'm, I'm still excited to hear that. <laughs> so can you share what happened in the last 60 days? Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, was, it, was, it, it was exciting. I think uh, I, we really couldn't believe that we have done whatever we envisioned to do in this last 60 days. The first and foremost thing was to get the white paper completely up and running because uh, we centered all of our energy inside the white paper. So especially uh, both the founders. One minute, Dr. Kant. 
Yes, sorry. Yeah, so... Yeah, let, let's start off. Uh, let's start again with that uh, exciting last 60 days. Yes. So as I was uh, mentioning, the the overall team was pretty excited about it. I mean, you know, we also had a lot of questions running in our head, you know, what is right, what is wrong, how we should approach it. There was not a single resource or a center that we should we should approach or get knowledge from. So obviously what we believed is that a, a strong white paper, which is sensible, not just jargons and, uh, you know, uh, diagrams and images and et cetera, but something which actually makes sense would be a perfect way to start it. So that's where we channeled uh, almost all of energy. I think it, the white paper took us three weeks. You know, we had a lot of iterations. Uh, there was a time we completed the whole white paper and said, hey, you know, now it's done. And uh, I think Shoaib, uh, you know, me and him usually catch up at late night and uh, around 2.30 the night, he tells me, uh, he calls me, bro. He said, bro, uh, I think this is wrong. And I was like shocked. I said, we spent 14 days on this. You know, why do you think it's wrong? He said, no, it's, it's not the way it will, it will be helpful to people. Then we, again, we got together that night and, and we worked it and I, I believed it. And anyway, we, we came out with another solution and said, yes, this makes much better sense. You know, this is how it should be. Right. And again, we started reworking on the white paper. So we didn't, we didn't take even a slightest excuse to not rethink and not redo anything. Obviously, uh, I think that's why the white paper or the solution, I would rather say, rather than calling it as a white paper, the solution or, or the envision, the project that we are doing came out, uh, you know, for us, it was the best, you know, what we could think about, you know, in terms of business way of implementation, in terms of technology, in terms of uh, advantage to that investors, in, in terms of the way that you look at it, it finally we were convinced and saying that, you know, this is how it should be, right? Uh, yeah. let, me, let me summarize what I'm understanding. So your white paper... You gave a beautiful name for it. The, the white paper is a solution to a problem that you found over the last couple of years. Uh, of course, you've been working on certain solutions, but you found yet another nice problem uh, to solve. So the white paper is a solution, right? And a solution that is explained from various angles to various people. And writing that white paper seem to have done two things. Number one, it clarified your own thinking between you and Shoaib. And you both were able to get on the same page on this is what we mean. That's why our two weeks into the game, Shoaib could come back and say, this is not right. And you both were able to communicate and get back into this. So there seems to be a significant amount of value in writing a white paper to the team itself. And then there's a second piece that is communication, obviously, to the rest of the world, right? Right. Okay. So uh, any any tip, did you have any outside help uh, from people who had experience in writing white papers or did you just both read up many white papers and decide, okay, we kind of know how to do it and did it? Uh, it's see uh, later. I mean, we, we, we went through a lot of white papers. <clears throat> so we figured out what, what needs to be there, how it needs to be structured. And yeah, uh, we didn't have any help, but obviously we had help from few people to correct the grammars and etc. after that. Uh, but yeah, and the entire white paper, the structure, that design was done by me and Shoaib. Fantastic. So, wonderful. And uh, can you give us maybe the the elevator pitch? What did the white paper finally say? The top two or three key ideas that it said. The, the fundamental thing that we are trying to solve, uh, Dr. Kant, is you're trying to mobilize a $360 billion worth of reward points that's lying idle. 
you know, across all the members' accounts. It's 48 trillion points that has been lying idle. It's it's like points that belong to people like you and me who sign up and totally forget about uh, the loyalty points. The way we are doing it is uh, making cross-border redemptions possible that if you have a reward point and, and like how you take your credit card or debit card and go and shop in, in, in a overseas country, you should be able to carry your reward points and able to do that. You're able to buy things that you like to buy. While you're doing this in the front end, the brands and the publishers who are offering the points, you should be able to easily track, audit and, and, and hold a record of it at the same time, bring value to you and value to them. So in sense, we are creating a global rewards network mobilizing the reward points, making it uh, life easier for the brands who is planning to run the loyalty program, publishers who are trying to reward the users and the user themselves who are part of this different programs hoping to get rewarded well. So that's pretty much what we're trying to do through the white paper. Fantastic, fantastic. So to me, stepping back and making a connection, so something like Bitcoins, Ethers, other cryptos came and made this cross-border payments very easy. You did not need a bank. The transactional costs came down. It was very easy to move money cross-country. And then uh, you come in and look at the next uh, the next level, so to speak, because this is beyond currency. This is loyalty. It's in some strange sense, loyalty points are already like a currency that was already built, right? Yeah. Except they were not cryptocurrencies. And uh, and loyalty points, the problem is they were very localized within a company and not connected to brand. So you said, hey, loyalty points already look and smell like a cryptocurrency. Why don't I actually make them, a, a, you know, some kind of a crypto token and free them up so they can be mobilized. So by giving them a value, certain, suddenly you have solved the same problem that went from barter to the monetary system of coins and dollars or whatever. Uh, so you made life simpler saying, okay, Hey, because there is some monetary equivalent for your loyalty points, which is represented by our token, these tokens are therefore redeemable for any brand. And because these tokens are not geocentric, you could travel to a different country and redeem a favorite brand of yours in a different country. Did I kind of get the gist of what you're trying to do? Perfect, uh, Dr. Khan. And one more thing, I just need to add up a little bit there is that uh, the way we have designed it is we don't want to change the way that the loyalty point or uh, you know, are being offered, right? I mean, let's say you're walking into, uh, 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 let's say a, a, a jet airways, for example. I'm just giving an example here, and you get JP Miles. I'm not going. I'm not intending to change the JP Miles here, but I'm just trying to change the way how the user can interact with the JP Miles. So we're not trying to introduce a new uh, currency, which will be the loyalty point, but it will be a currency that will enable you to convert your loyalty point to something else meaningful cross-border. So that's the uh, only uh, you know, highlight that they want to do. So you have some kind of a, just like we used to have a currency chart, <laughs> rupees to dollars, rupees to pounds, rupees to marks, and so on and so forth. So from JP Miles, you will have a, you know, you'll have a conversion chart, I'm presuming, right? From JP Miles to, uh, what are you calling your token? Uh, it's called as Alloy token, Alloy. How do you spell that? A-L-L-O-Y, Alloy. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. That's a beautiful name. So brilliantly thought of. So so JP Miles to Alloy and maybe, I don't know, United Miles to Alloy, American Miles to Alloy, or heck, it doesn't even need to be miles. It's something else, loyalty rewards from McDonald's to Alloy. So is that, so there is, am I thinking right that there is, you're going to continue to keep everything in their current 
currencies and then they will keep earning the same way but then there will be suddenly a marketplace for loyalty points into your currency which is having a fiat currency equivalent and therefore can be redeemed for brands is that the kind of the am i seeing the am i connecting the dots properly perfect uh, the only highlight is that the conversion happens in the back end so as a consumer the way we have designed it is that why would you need to know about alloy right i mean you have uh, your life is already complicated with different loyalty points right i'm right so why should you need to know about alloy in the front end so the way that we are envisioning is is that let's say you have united united airlines or jp miles or let's say shopper stop or walmart anything and you link those accounts you fire up the app and you see what is if you combine the value of those reward points in the local fiat equivalent in the country you are in right in us you will say that i have got in total 1000 points which is worth 2 dollars whereas in india i would say it as 120 rupees so i will not say it as a lie so i go ahead and purchase something for that 120 rupees or like 2 dollars in whichever the country i am and i'm i'm happy i'm done while the conversion that you are saying that you know from the currency to alloy and alloy to that product will happen in the back end so the business is brilliant yeah got it so what you're saying is alloy is like a for the lack of a better word like a ghost back end token that is doing a lot of magic except i, I don't know that it is happening so Correct. i presumably have an alloy app for example and in right. that app i'm just integrating and connecting all my loyalty points from various companies that i'm loyal to and voila you know, i have 300 points here 5000 points so they all show up in my in my app so jp yeah. miles show up american airlines miles show up so all kinds of various things presumably show up and then i i hit a green button it says hmm that whole thing is worth 550 dollars <laughs> oh by the way you can get this nikon camera that you wanted pretty much yeah. for free so am i so this whole conversion to that normalized intermediate crypto asset in the background each of these goes into an alloy and alloy is mapped in based on the alloy current price into a dollar value and right. boom everything is shown but if i'm in us it shows me in us dollars if i'm in india it probably shows me in rupees Absolutely. so a lot of the mystery and the magic in the back end is transparent to me as a consumer and you're just making my life easy because i want to still think and act in terms of uh, rupees or dollars or marks or yen or depending upon which country i am in until right. world changes to a point that cryptos are the fiat but that we are not there yet yeah <laughs> awesomely summarized uh, dr kant exactly that's that's a vision and this makes it borderless this is why it can go borderless okay this is fantastic so now can we now switch to the the next one which is uh alloy token design so i want to get into and maybe in the in the end we will talk about the dates i i wanted to switch them around so your uh, your timeline for the ico etc will come in the end can you start deconstructing your alloy token you know usually we see things like a limited supply and we see things like percentage allocations this is how much will be sold to the public and this is how much will be retained by the developers this is for the bounty so there is a split and then there is usually some vesting time for the owners so that right. there is an increased amount of trust and credibility in the ico right and then, uh, finally okay uh, how does alloy work as a utility how will you keep the supply limited and increase the demand so if you can answer those if you forget any of my questions i'll repeat them but if you can sure. kind of take us through the deconstruct of alloy that will help a lot 
Got it. Uh, so when we designed it, we had two options. One, to emit coins as the transactions happens, or two, to keep the uh, transactions limited, like, uh, or the uh, total supply limited. So we went with the uh, limited supply because it made more sense. So we went with a limited token supply of 100 million tokens. In total, will be the total alloys that will be in the market. Out of this, uh, we decided, uh, you know, 50% will be sold to the public, uh, to the token sale. And uh, 30% will be uh, kept as a reserve that which will be used to enable this transaction in the back end. The magic that we spoke about in the back end, uh, I'll come to it a little later, but... <clears throat> 30% will be kept in the back end as a reserve for doing the transactions. 20% uh, has been given to the developers. As you rightly pointed out, I, you know, we believe in the vesting period. So we have kept a three-year vesting period. That is one year more than the roadmap that we have planned for ourselves. Uh, you know, uh, the, the minimum road plan that we have designed. So it's one year more than that. So we have a three-year uh, vesting period with an equal uh, the emission at, at, at the end of every six months. So for the developers and the core team members. So that's how we have designed uh, uh, the whole uh, tokens. So coming one back... Third, uh, sorry to interrupt. One third vesting per year, you said? Uh, it's one third for every six months. So 16.66% will get emitted out at the end of every six months. Okay. Core members. So, and the total vesting will happen over three years. So I think you're saying one sixth per every six months. Yeah, right. <clears throat> Something like that. Okay. So one year more than your development time period. Uh, the rollout, the initial rollout, the complete initial rollout and one year more than that. So that we are aligned, every one of us is aligned to that, the whole mission that we are doing. Okay. Fantastic. I like that. Okay. So, okay. 20% set aside, three years, uh, six periods of vesting incrementally. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Please proceed. Sorry for the interrupt. Yeah. No, not a problem at all. So, uh, as I was explaining, so the uh, why we chose a limited supply, how it is going to increase the token utility value is that, see, the alloys uh, are, are working at the back end, right? We don't need to give alloys to a user to, to, to start with. So, let's say there's a transaction happening in the back end. Uh, the way the token will work is it will get attached to the smart contracts that, that, that's been executed, let's say, from a consumer to a merchant, and then from a consumer to another merchant. Right. Whenever this happens, the alloy is getting allocated in the back end. So initial month, the initial period that we designed, we believe that this 30 million that we have as a reserve will be enough for in the, the first two, three years to, to handle the transaction volume that's going to come in. And as the value of alloys keep increasing and uh, the capability of the system to handle more transaction will also increase and uh, you know, resulting in, in, in the continuous growth of the value of alloy. Okay. How will the, why, why will there be a continuous growth of alloys? Can you explain that? It's not yet clear to me. Sure. So as I was explaining you, uh, I think you're familiar with the Paytm concept, right? So Paytm, how, why did people choose to convert the currency into Paytm cash, right? I mean, why can you, uh, for the sake of the US and international listeners, give a one minute summary of pay. I know personally what Paytm is, but for the sake of our listeners, if you can take one minute and explain Paytm, it's a pretty simple idea. And then use that to explain alloy. That'll be great. Great. So uh, Paytm is like a virtual, uh, you know, it, it's a start of the start of a vision saying that every payment should go digital and uh, they introduce Paytm cash and every person when they transact 
in the e-commerce you know portal of Paytm or using Paytm Cash, they get freebies and cashbacks and everything etc. So they they change the way that people do a recharge or book or buy groceries or you know do any of this transaction etc. And you know in, in the, on the whole, so. Paytm fundamentally digitalized the whole process uh, in a way. So that's exactly what we are envisioning for Alloy as well. That when people in the phase one, we will start accepting your currencies, you know, the different reward points that's come in and uh, it will be used, uh, you know, for you to, you know, to a local fiat equivalent to pick up a reward of your choice, number one. While this is happening, this is done by Alloy in the backend, right? Because you are allocating uh, X amount of alloys Let's say you as a consumer, I'll give an example. I think it's easy when you do with an example. Let's say you as a consumer, as you rightly said, you come with 5,000 points. The moment you come with 5,000 points, today it will show you that, hey, this 5,000 points is worth the market value of alloy is uh, so much. The fiat equivalent of this 5,000 points is, let's say, let's say $10, and I allocate uh, 20 alloys. Okay. 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 Because the market value of alloy, let's say, is uh, 50 cents, for example, at the time of launch. Okay. And uh, I'm allocating 20 alloys for this particular con- contract execution, right? Yeah. And also the system checks whether do you have a minimum alloy capability, right? We, the way that we have designed it is that if you are a token holder holding, let's say, uh, you know, uh, like a membership card, if you have hold a minimum amount of alloy for a certain period, the kind of cashbacks that you get on your purchase is quite high. Yeah. Right. So like how you have different tiers, as let's say a silver, gold and bronze and platinum, let's say you have a minimum of uh, 5,000 alloys and you have holded for a minimum period of six months. Now the cashback that you get on a transaction is quite high. Right. So that way, you know, these alloys uh, are moving from one place to another place at the same time, since you're holding back the alloy, because it's going to give you an additional cashback, which you wouldn't, wouldn't get in a normal scenario, the value increases as well. Okay, that's an angle I hadn't understood till now. So let me summarize it back to make sure that I got it. Right. So what I am understanding or I'm guessing here is going back to my app view of, okay, I have all these points, I have 5,000 points. And at any given point in time, I seem to have a choice of either keeping them in points or converting them to alloy. So is first of all, is that correct? Uh, no, Dr. Kant, it's it's not that way. Okay. Right? Correct me then, please. Correct. So you will not be able to, you will not see an alloy in the front end in the phase one. The way that okay. we're looking at it is that in the phase one, everything will happen in the back end. And when we're opening the catalog where you can actually use an alloy for transaction, that is during the phase two, ah. we'll be opening it for other cryptocurrencies as well. Right. Okay. As you rightly said, you know, the world is not completely moved into cryptocurrencies. Right. right. So we are giving that sufficient time. So once people feel that, fine, why should I keep it as my reward points? I'll convert it into alloy because alloy, I'm going to get an additional cashback, number one, in the phase two I'm talking about, right? Or if I use alloy directly for redemption, I'll get much better value. So I'm not still changing the way that you're getting your reward points. I'm just bringing the alloy transaction that is happening in the back end in the phase one, that is one year of the launch in the front end toward the end of the uh, you know uh, end of the uh, 2018 right? so by the time uh, alloy is pretty popular and well known that is right. when you're going to bring alloy to the front end which means now the the users have a choice if i believe that hey if i convert my air miles into alloy 
Right. And I believe alloy demand is increasing. My alloy might actually double or triple in value in the one year, next one year. But my points are not reproducing and producing more points. I'm just adding to them with more usage and more loyalty. So right. all, so based on my mental model and belief in alloy token, I might move in or out of alloy, but that might be in phase two. Did I get the phase two right? Perfect. And phase two will also be opening up not only for reward points, but other virtual currencies as well. I see. So so now I understand, at least we'll come back to phase one in a minute. In phase two, what is happening is as more and more companies adopt alloy as the blood that circulates as, as their point equivalent of some sort, the backend point equivalent, the demand presumably for alloy will keep on rising with the addition of every new enterprise. So, right. and to your ecosystem. So as the demand increases, and the supply is limited, the price will eventually increase. So now the tendency to even more users to buy into alloy and hold on to them with the hope that it will appreciate, that whole process is all designed to increase, appreciate the value of alloy. So I think I kind of got that. Perfect, Mr. Takan. That's so now let's talk about phase one then. Tell me how the phase one from zero from now till phase two, how does that work out? So phase one would be a very simple process. You know, we don't want to, as I said, we don't want to complicate it. So phase one would be uh, the alloy happening in the backend. And as more transaction happens and more cashback that's get produced, you know, the value of alloy keeps increasing. So that's that's very simply we're keeping it in that way. So that means are you, so suppose you're a partner, alloy is a partner with Jet Airways and I have 5,000 JP miles. Right. Okay, so do I now have them in JP Miles or are they also available in the, they're looking like JP Miles to me, but they have already have an equivalent alloy allocated. Only when you transact. So we use a technology called as a repack, real-time point adoption and conversion. Okay. Right, so let me put it simple, Dr. Kant. Uh, so, do you do you have some membership cards with you? And do you have- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have plenty of like British Airways, American Airlines. Uh, right. You know, those are the primary things that come to mind immediately, but I'm sure I have tons of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that, there are certain things that gives you a lot of value that you don't want to, you know, you at least make a minimum purchase on that, right? You make a minimum purchase, you make some minimum transaction on those cards or minimum activity on the cards. Am I right? All the time. American Airlines, I have a credit card and we literally try to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on that because we got plenty of free tickets out of that. Yeah. So absolutely. So we have a tendency to use that overuse that credit card. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the way that till the vision of phase two is done, the way that we are going to ensure that, you know, the alloy appreciates over time is by giving you the valuable perks and freebies or perks and advantages that token holders will get. So if you have alloys with you, and obviously you also have reward points that's been accumulated across every other place. And when you come into the rewards network to transact, the system will look back at you and say, how much minimum alloys that you have in your wallet? So if you have, let's say, uh, 5,000 alloys I mean, at a minimum scale, it tells you, okay, this is a, it's a privileged customer. I mean, he's, he belongs to this category. And now we need to give him a 2% cashback or a 2% uh, bonus on his transaction, which normally you will not get. But uh, the reason I'm confused is uh, I'm assuming we're talking about phase one when I, as a user, don't even know about alloy. It's in the background. So that's what I'm confused about. 
not not in a, not a problem so the way that we are saying is that you will not see it as alloy the, you will receive alloys as cashback which is again appreciating over time as a bonus and cashback that you get will be sent given to you as alloys so can we continue the example so take the 5000 miles jp miles example and give me continue to let's pretend we are in phase 1 can you yes. walk through a transaction please and help me understand where i get the 2% and when Sure. So let's say you've got 5,000 points, which is worth $100, right? And now you go and transact to reward, or let's say redeem it for an icon or a, or, or a, any other, any brand of your choice, any reward of your choice. Okay. The moment you redeem it, now the system calculates and says, uh, okay, this person has, has got, normally if the person is redeeming it, there's no cash back to the person. I mean, the person just redeems it and walks off. Yes. Now, if this person has... As a token holder, right? That's how we launch it. We launch it for token holders initially, number one, right? I mean, we, that's the whole plan behind it. So the, when so when you redeem it, you know, it now says this person is a minimum, let's say silver category token holder. He has already got 5,000 alloys back in his wallet. So now he's eligible for a 2% cashback. Okay? So the 2% of this $200 will be given to you as alloys from the reserve, which we already have for incentives and for enabling transactions. And this alloy appreciates over time, unlike your normal process where you don't have any uh, cashbacks or anything that's given to you, nothing is appreciating you. So your, your tendency to hold an alloy increases because you get a cashback which is appreciating. I think the missing point was the token holder. So <clears throat> I think what has happened is, uh, I, I sorry, I missed that whole thing completely. So what, what is happening, there's a token sale and I'm, a, I'm somebody that bought the token I'm imagining as a user. And you kind of recognize me not only as a loyalty member, but also as an alloy token holder. And there is something called a privileged status. So whenever you detect a privileged status, I get a 2% additional cashback. And right. if I'm a normal user, I don't get that. Is Am I getting closer to the truth now? Is there something be, be missing that you haven't yet explained to me, which is this whole token holder idea? Uh, nothing much. It's it's exactly the same. There are different levels. Up to 2.5%, you get a cashback, but there are different levels. The idea is people will start accumulating alloys for the benefit that they will achieve. You know, if, if I'm going to anyway buy something outside, and if I'm going to keep a minimum, maintain a minimum alloy balance, I'm going to get something. So why should I sell it? I don't want to sell it. I'll keep it. That's the whole idea behind it. So the phase one. The, the, the reason we are, uh, I'm supremely confused. I'm sorry to say this, is... In phase one, you're telling me I don't need to know anything about alloys. And yet you keep bringing up alloy all the time. So I think my mental model is flawed. Uh, I am missing something. In phase two, I understand it. In phase one, I don't understand it. So uh, is, is, can we? I think I'm missing something because I haven't understood your token sale. Is your uh, phase one uh, uh, loyalty customer also connected to your token ownership? Uh, the, the the rewards network, once it opens up, it will start opening for the token holders initially. Oh, my God. Thank you. That was one vital piece that I was missing and I was groping in the dark all the time. <laughs> all right. Sorry, I should so, have, it's a good map. Yeah, uh, so no, because of that one missing piece, the rest of it didn't make sense to me. Okay. okay. Why don't we start there? So you are having a token sale and right. there are 5,000, 10,000, 20,000. In fact, now I understand why the more people that participate in your token sale that overlap with your user base, the better off the token sale is for Alloy. Am I correct? Absolutely. 
So you have, oh, this is a beautiful picture. Thank you. So what you're saying is you are, your investors and users highly overlap and you're hoping that by crowdsourcing this whole funding, you have a real reason for doing this as a token sale and not as another VC round. Right. Because for you to have thousands, maybe tens of thousands of token investors will mean adoption. Correct. Okay. So now I have a, so let's, uh, that's a better starting point. So I bought one or 10 tokens of alloy in your token sale. Now, can you tell me what do I, what do I do next? Now that, what are the things I know as a token buyer, I must be knowing something about alloy that will now motivate me to go out and seek, oh, I wonder, now I have this alloy, I'm allowed to get a 2%. I want to get there. So you gave me a goal. So I want to get there. How do I go about getting there? Right. So as I was explaining, uh, so when you are, especially the token holders are very much aware of the benefits that they get out of the, uh, you know, one minute, Dr. Kant. Uh, No problem. Can we uh, go back to the question again, Dr. Kant? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I was just saying, uh, everything, the process for phase one, finally, I figured out, seems to start where I buy a token. So I'm a prospective, loyal user of some set of products or services, but I come to Alloy token sale and I buy some tokens, okay? And so from that as a starting point, what will you tell me as a user saying, hey, now that you have Alloy, you can benefit by doing this, this, and this. I'm assuming that you're going to give me some goals uh, to achieve for my benefit. And as I go about doing them, your business grows. So can you fill in that, that gap for me now? Correct. So initially, the only target that you have is to have a minimum holding of your token. So we don't want people to buy the token and sell it off immediately, right? So that's that happens a lot, correct? Yes. So the way that we and even let's say the selling is happening, somebody should be willing to buy it. That's how the uh, token token stabilizes, right? I mean, initial bump to uh, the the stability happens there, right? So we designed it in such a way that if I don't see a value, I just bought it for the sake of selling it in the next two, three days, but somebody else is seeing a value in it and they say, hey, you know, why should I hold XYZ token when uh, in six months or three months, uh, Alloy's redemption catalog is going to open up and when the redemption catalog is open up, it's going to open up for, uh, you know, consumers with Alloy's, number one. They'll get the first access. So to get access, you need to have a minimum, let's say, uh, one ether worth of alloys in, in right now, right? Then you should have at least 575 alloys for you to be part of that sale, for part of that opening, grand opening that's happening, right? Where you will have a minimum redemptions, uh, you know, micro redemptions and macro redemptions, number one. So that ensures that people start, initially it will be like bits and pieces that you will have 300 alloys, I'll have 200 alloys and, and I don't see a value in it because I don't want to wait till long, but you see a value in it and you will buy it from me and you'll keep it because you're already aware that as a token holder, you know, I'm eligible to get, a, let's say, 0.5 to 2.5% cash back if I have holded my minimum alloy balance for six months. I see, I see, I see, I see. Okay, okay. okay. So as it progress, uh, as it gradually opens up to the rest of the public, now you have two options. Now, like how you pay for a membership, like why did we all pay for our credit cards? I, I paid a good sum for my Amex card because, uh, you know, I see a value that I will get out of it in the year. Likewise, people say, anyway, you know, in a year I'm redeeming so much of points, but if I'm going to maintain a certain amount of alloys with me, 
or you know we we obviously tell them that you know if we don't call it as a cryptocurrency token we say hey this is a cashback but you have a minimum balance of so much you're going to get a 2% additional and that's going to uh, you know try people to hold it or make sure the price stabilizes you know, over a point especially in the brilliant brilliant i like the mapping you have done so there there they say in amex hey you pay 50 dollars annual membership fee or 200 dollars i don't know what it is and you get all of these benefits and you think that whoa the benefits are so much worth it even in the next 2 3 months my discounts are add up to more than the membership fee so i'm going to get it so Absolutely. you're going to construct some kind of a similar mapping formula that you tell me hey ka if you hold x number of alloy tokens these are the list of benefits you'll get and i'm looking at those benefits and saying heck the value of the x tokens uh, it pays for itself in the next 3 months for me at this you know the way these benefits are accruing so i'm going to buy them and hold them and that right. is where this whole interesting play will continue because i'll keep on holding them until there is such a demand for alloy tokens the spice uh, the, the the price skyrockets and then i'm thinking oh my god now i have these 15 years of membership worth of tokens because the price has gone up so much let me just sell them off and take the money i might do that but then the guy buying it is thinking the opposite right because you know <laughs> you now are asking them for a lesser number of tokens uh, because the price has gone up so right. i think i see this whole trade off uh, the the swing from one side to the other happening over right. time and uh, which is good because your ecosystem is growing the value of the token is growing and but the, the this ingenious method of having people have demand from multiple angles number one i'm getting value of holding it almost like a membership fee number two right. i mean there is obviously at a, at some point going to be liquidity in terms of uh, uh, an exchange so people could buy and sell based on what their belief in the token is so right am i right about the dynamics perfect uh, doctor kam that's that's exactly a vision fantastic so finally i wanted to come to the dates uh, can you now tell us about your uh, the amounts uh, say the what you are planning to raise the pre token sale the token sale and some of the dates associated with it and so on uh yeah uh, so october 15th is when we are going for a pre ico that's uh, 10% of the alloy will be allocated for the pre ico and uh, so in total we are raising around 86956 ether uh, in a way it, it's it's comes roughly around to 23 million so we wanted to be reasonable in our ask as at the same time uh, you know a little bit flexible as well so we have kept it at 23 million so that will be good for us 18, not to look for 18500 ethers you said right 86956 ethers 86000 sorry sorry 86000 ethers approximately okay 87000 to be precise okay uh, 7000 ether is what we are planning to raise uh, and uh, uh, so it will happen in two two stages one is the pre ico 10% of the tokens will be allocated for the pre ico and 40% of the uh, tokens will be allocated for the uh, main ico that's happening on november 25th so between uh, so pre ico will start on october 15th and will end on november 5th and we have given a 21 day time to also spend enough time to build an alpha app and alpha catalog so we don't we don't want to be quiet so we are thinking about building an alpha app uh, or an alpha catalog which will be ready for the by then as well and uh, november 25th to end of christmas eve december 25th one month will be our main ico 
And uh, sometimes these days we are seeing that the pre-token sale and the token sale, like recently I talked to the founder of Icon in Korea and uh, the pre-token sale and the token sale amount combined and exceeded was all finished in six hours. They raised $45 million. So uh, how are you doing it? Is it possible that everything will be over all the 50% in the pre-ICO or are you not going to sell anything more than 10% in pre-ICO because for you, it's very important to have a large base of users in the ICO. Absolutely, because Icon uh, had a different case. They had uh, backing of uh, six larger like investing groups, right? I mean, including TAS and. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they were quite fortunate in that. And uh, as you rightly pointed out, we want more users to participate in this Ally token sale, right? I mean, we are aiming at a larger community here, and uh, we are not planning to sell the entire tokens off. And at the same time, we want to cater the demands. And so we are right now in the process of asking a minimum commitment. What should be the good, you know? A magic number that we want to give to the, to the people who have earlier shown us interest and subscribed to us so that we will abide by that. So we don't see the same scenario happening to us, uh, but as you rightly said, we are aiming at a maximum participation with a minimum commitment from a lot of people. Not a, What is the minimum commitment? Have you decided or are you still thinking about it? No, uh, we're just getting, uh, uh, I mean, for all the people who have signed up uh, earlier and we're just trying to get the request back, the survey is on. So we're getting some numbers here and there. But let's hope we'll increase it by uh, this, uh, you know, by Monday, Tuesday. No problem. Can you give me a website where people can go to our audiences to get more information, uh, your white paper, your token sale dates, your minimum purchase options, all this information? Uh, It is alloy, A-L-L-O-Y dot rewards, R-E-W-A-R-D-S dot network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Alloy dot rewards dot network. Okay. So, uh, just to clarify, so there is no www. It's going to be alloy.rewards.network is going to be. Yeah. So, HTTP colon slash slash alloy.rewards.network. And they can go there and they will get all the information about the token sale, the white paper, and the dates, right? So Correct. Wonderful. So, this is fantastic. And... Uh, uh, how much for, for uh, so it's Ether. So do you accept only Ether or do you accept Bitcoins and Fiat as well? Uh, no Fiats, uh, only Ether and BTC. Uh, that's the plan right now. So one Ether, which is r- roughly, I didn't check today's, but around $300 is what it is. For one Ether, how many alloy tokens can I get? Uh, 575 alloys. So roughly 50 cents. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm using ballpark. It can change tremendously between now and your token sales. So I understand. <laughs> but. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it's uh, it's coming around to forty five cents. I mean, one ether is two eighty dollars right now, and uh, it's it's approximately in that range. And yes, we're right. So we're picking at a decent price, and because we believe uh, that's what we as I, as I said. We wanted the tokens to be limited. At the same time, it should be enough, and at the same time, it should add value to the consumers buying it. So put all the math together, we arrived at the number five seventy five. So, so out of the 100 million, 50% are for sale. That's about 50 million alloy tokens. Uh, so the possibility is, of course, you're oversubscribed, in which case you will sell a max of 50 million and you're done. If you're undersubscribed, if it is 20, 30 million that you sell, uh, do you have a minimum for the token sale to go through? Is there a threshold? Uh, yes, uh, we have a soft cap of uh, 15% of the total ether raised uh, in the main ICO. 
So if you are not meeting that commitment, we will refund the uh, the whole uh, whatever we have raised till point at the point in time. So fifteen percent is the uh, soft cap that we have kept in the main ICO or the total ethers that we are raising on the main ICO. Fantastic. So fifteen percent is a soft cap, and if you reach that, obviously it's a go. Otherwise, it's a refund. Now, assuming it's a go, but you fall short of your total max cap of fifty million. Are you going to destroy the remaining, or uh, what are you going to do with the remaining unsold alloys? So it'll be uh, uh, going back to the reserve, so which will be utilized for okay. transactions for future sale. I mean, if, if at all uh, we get a consent from all the network. Okay, goes back to the reserve. No, that's that's kind of because there have been both kinds of uh, methods, right? Some have just burnt the tokens remaining. But in your scenario, it just makes a lot of sense to go back to the reserve. Correct. Because that's a, that's a pool. That's a that's a pool that you anyway needed. That's brilliant. Right. Okay. So, are there other things that you want to communicate to the people that maybe I haven't, or some juicy stories, or some you know mind-blowing realizations that you have had that you really wish to communicate to our audience? Maybe I didn't ask you the right questions so far to reveal those. No, no. Uh, I would rather say that to people who are looking at uh, you know raising ICOs or you know going in this path, be clear about the idea number one. And I would also like to uh, share about one thing that when we started this ICO, you know, we were we were like uh, me and Shoaib, you know, uh, you know, it, it was it, our team and us, uh, all of us putting the you know, uh, Varlakshmi, uh, Deepak, uh, Abhishek, Ravi, and all these guys are putting all the efforts to get this thing done. But uh, last ten days have been phenomenal. I mean, I, I have been exposed to around some two hundred people who are supporting the community through our uh, bounty program, right? So. We haven't uh, spent any major dollars. I mean, for this entire advertising and etc. But the whole community is doing the work that you know required to do. So we have translated in Russian, German, uh, Chinese, Indonesian, Vietnamese. The white paper, the website, the uh, uh, Bitcoin talks. Everything has been done by the community. Uh, the Telegram channel, the Reddit. Uh, everything has been maintained and moderated by the community, who is believing on the same idea that uh, you know hopefully the token sale will go great. So uh, uh, to people who are going to start, uh, you know, I see what I would rather say that you will start alone, but you'll not be ending alone. You'll have a lot of friends down the way. So I've got a lot of friends right now who are supporting me, giving me tips, which I never expected to happen. So, uh, so you know, so that's, you, that's, that is a very important thing. Can you talk, talk us through very quickly the first 10 or 20 tasks which you did alone, but then got you that got you into a support of lots of people? Because this is something that's kind of a black box gray area for many people that are the the uncertainty and the darkness, so to speak, is a, makes people afraid of taking a step out on faith. Uh, so, can you shed a little bit of light on the, what were those five ten steps that at a high level that you took, and suddenly there was light? Because in the beginning, I'm sure you didn't even know at some point what a blockchain was, then what a token sale, what an ICO was, and then you probably didn't know. Okay, who is a technology guy who can create this blockchain for us? Who can put the tokens to? So, so this was whole thing was. A journey in the background, right? So, what are the when you look back? What are the five, ten, just very quick list of tasks that high level? So, hey, we did this, 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 and and then we saw light. <laughs> I'll just say one thing that you know, uh, one experience uh, very quickly that uh, on the eve of I think twelfth uh, September, eleventh uh, September, uh, you know, when we finished the white paper, we were like. Today is the day that we're going to post it, and and we had our own checkbox saying that we're going to open a Bitcoin talk. We're going to post it, and then we're going to wait. We opened a Bitcoin talk. We're not able to post it. 
And you're like, why we weren't able to post it? Because he's a newbie. You didn't know that. We didn't know that. We honestly didn't know that you need to be a member, super member, super moderator, hero, legendary, etc. Right? I mean, so obviously, uh, you know, uh, the first thing that you guys need to do is that even in the idea stage, please get inside Bitcoin Talk because that's where you will find the community. You know, the Bitcoin Talk community is one of the best best resource uh, uh, in in terms of. Uh, you know, uh, bandwidth support in terms of knowledge support in terms of language support. Anything that you get, you find awesome guys out there. So I think we then we, we everything went on right from that point in place. And the white paper, Bitcoin talk. Please start ahead even before your white paper is done. Get a constant. Find your bounty manager. Find your moderators in place. You can't do everything by yourself. Please understand and learn it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I want to share, sir. After that. This is fantastic, Vijay. Congratulations to you and Shoaib on the journey so far. I know, as, as someone said, this is not the beginning, this is not the end, this is the end of the beginning, so to speak. But uh, it, it was not just having that entrepreneurial heart and spirit to venture out into the unknown and just even arrive at where you are. I'm sure three, four months ago, this was a dream and today you're just crazy excited and waiting in anticipation. So are we and we wish you and uh, your whole team all the very best for a very successful pre-token token sale and then extremely successful business after that. And the uniqueness of us at Crypto Nights is uh, we help our guest speakers develop a relationship with our global audiences. You're going to be a global app, we are a global audience. So the key is we will come back periodically, if not every couple of months, maybe on a quarterly basis, we are almost like trying to mimic, <laughs> uh, you know, what SEC does uh, uh, by having people publish their quarterly reports, except that we are neither a government organization nor a regulation. We just are that friendly communication channel that we will ping you quarterly to say, hey, do you have an update for our listeners? <laughs> our loyal <laughs> <our> followers. <laughs> At some point, maybe maybe Crypto Night should be a member and have uh, Alloy token in the background for people who listen to podcasts regularly. So hey, that's something to think about. You should do that. I think the system is very available. You should be happy to help you with that anytime. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Vijay. Wish you all the best. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Dr. Khan. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Crypto Nights. Never miss an episode. Subscribe now at www.cryptonights.io.